Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Den podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Den, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a bilingual cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling using the EFT method, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. I provide individual one-on-one session in English or in French and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550 and our website can be found at lifecoachdenamzalag.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our second episode of Season 9, a very special guest and stoic expert, Mr. Brendan Tumblin. And just like every of my past episodes, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Brendan, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. First of all, thank you for having me here. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, stoicism and, and uh, see where our expertise sort of mingle. Um, so my name is Brandon Tumlin. As you mentioned, I'm, I suppose, a, a philosopher of sorts, uh, focused generally around stoicism, but I dig into all kinds of things, uh, Christianity principles, works of fiction. Um, I'm really interested in psychology, neuroscience, and I basically bring a lot of these topics together in a form that uh, I think is understandable by a lot of people. So I host my own podcast called The Strong Stoic Podcast, uh, where I 20-minute episodes on topics uh, based around Stoic principles, generally speaking, uh, where I tie in a lot of other things. I also have guests on as well, the Stoic experts and psychologists, all kinds of people. So I'm really interested in bringing everything that I, everything that we have at our disposal, fiction, science, ancient philosophy, bring it all together and basically try and figure out what it means to live a good life. Beautiful. Okay. So I, you know, when we first had our conversation, Brendan, you got me curious about what stoicism is. So I've done my research and it says that it is the philosophy of life. So it basically teaches, uh, or it's a science of a person that uh, endures pain and suffering without really demonstrating or letting out their emotion to the general public. So how can someone really wrap their mind on what, what does it mean when someone suffers inside, but yet keeps everything? Doesn't that usually like, if you, if you like focus on psychology aspect, it, they bundle up all these emotions to eventually explode like a volcano. So how can that work in synergy with psychology? Yes, this, this is a great first place to start because this is actually a very common misconception of stoicism. There's, if you look up, uh, if you Google stoicism, you find essentially two definitions. You find the one you're talking about there, which is more of a, uh, I suppose, a, a personality way of dealing with things. It's this sort of uh, stiff upper lip, you know, just endure pain, don't show any emotions. That is uh, a form of stoicism. And then there's the stoicism of ancient philosophy of ancient Greece, which which is the philosophy of life that you're speaking to. So it's very important to distinguish between those two. And I know there's a lot of confusion on this uh, in uh, in modern world, because you say someone's stoic. Normally, what people think about is that that sort of you know that tough person that doesn't want to show any emotion. Whereas the philosophy of stoicism is a lot more. It's a lot deeper than that, and it actually doesn't suppress emotions at all. Uh, the ancient Stoics were actually more uh, trying to figure out how to uh, control the emotions and also particularly the, the dangerous ones like anger and rage to mitigate those so that they don't negatively impact the life around you. But, but to basically, it's not about suppressing emotion in terms of the, the philosophy of Stoicism, but it's about utilizing emotion and making sure that, uh, you know, in your anger or any other of the toxic emotions, you don't wreak havoc on your life and the world around you. 
So um, can a, a therapist or psychologist, if let's say they have a patient that is actually that practice stoicism, can they really learn about that person and, and their, their four virtues about life and everything that follows? I mean, can they really understand the person that because they're, they're following a stoic life, they do not want to demonstrate anything such as anger, emotion, or anything of that sort. So how can, how can they live in, in an environment that everyone express themselves much openly versus them that they have to not suppress, as you mentioned, but keep everything in? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's very complicated. And these things are, you know, virtue, which is really what stoicism is about. It's, it's more of a habit than anything else. So let's say that you are someone that has anger issues. Uh, anger would be, or expressing anger in a bad way. Maybe you're in traffic and you get angry. That is a vice in stoicism. And so like, how do you go about mitigating that? Well, the Stoics really, they have a lot of techniques for this. Marcus Aurelius, uh, famous emperor, stoic. He had a lot of different ways of dealing with uh, with anger. Uh, and all of these actually stem, you can see these in modern psychology today. One of the things that he recommends is actually to premeditate on those situations in life when you're going to be angry. So if you are someone, for example, that does get angry in traffic and you just happen to find yourself, you know, uh, you, you feel like, okay, you have to work, you have to leave work uh, a little early or late today. And so you're going to be driving when there's traffic. So, you know, this normally you work around it because you know, it gives you anger issues. Well, one of the stoic ways of dealing with that is, okay, I'm going to drive in traffic at 5 PM. I know that's going to make me angry. How am I going to mitigate that? Can I premeditate on that and see how that feels like? What techniques am I going to use to calm down? And so this is sort of a premeditation of evils, which is a key stoic practice, but that's just one example. There's lots of stoic ways of dealing with anger, but this one I find very powerful because, you know, how many of us in the morning wake up and we get immediate anxiety about the people we have to deal with at work or the traffic, or maybe you and your wife had a fight last night and now you have to deal with that. Like how many of these situations in life do we wake up in the morning and the first thing we feel is anxiety about the life we have. And one of the stoic ways of dealing with that is to, to premeditate on that and to understand and make a plan for how you can actually deal with that when it comes up. Okay. So does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, also during my research, it says that um, stoic Stoicism recognizes those four types of virtues, which is wisdom, courage, justice, and moderation. Um, so can someone like, do they have to have all four to be uh, following Stoicism? Or if let's say they have like issue with one specific virtue, how's that in the world of Stoicism? Is it like practice religiously or how does it go? Yeah, it's interesting. So the, the four cardinal virtues you're speaking to, these are in the cardinal meaning every other virtue, such as honesty, patience, they all hinge from this, uh, from these virtues, but they're actually, you know, it's, it's common to think about them in terms of like four pillars that hold up stoicism, but it's a lot more complicated than that because there's actually, they depend on each other quite a bit. So let me give an example. So you mentioned wisdom. Wisdom is one of the four cardinal virtues, and it basically means knowing what to do, when to do it as well as knowing yourself, knowing other people, it's having the information and the knowledge at hand and also knowing how to deal with that. So wisdom is a very important stoic virtue. It's one of the four cardinal virtues, but there's also things like, like courage. Okay, courage is also a, a cardinal virtue, meaning when you are afraid, how do I deal with that fear? So, you know, courage is really important in life because we are burdened with fear all the time. But these two virtues, just to give an example, they don't exist independently of each other. You can imagine if you're in a battlefield, the courageous response, you might argue, would be to run out 
in into a machine gun fire and well guess what now you're dead so that's not good for anyone <laughs> so you have to temper your your uh, courage with wisdom and so the point is is that you know the, and we can go into more details about what these virtues mean but they're they're really intermingled and it's 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 hard to sort of explain how they're intermingled until you get into like a lot of examples with it. But um, in fact, our, but Aristotle actually thought that if you had one virtue, you had them all. Mm -hmm. Because if you have one, because they're intermingled so much, you can't just have one. You have to have all four, at least to some degree. So, uh, yeah. But does it mean that um, without wisdom or without courage, you cannot have wisdom or without wisdom, you cannot have justice. So you said they're all interconnected somehow. But the thing is, is that also, if you, isn't there like one core virtue that really is like the heart of all of Stoicism and then everything kind of like um, gravitates around it? Yeah, if, if you had to pick one of the four cardinal virtues that was the most important, it would probably be wisdom, just because wisdom is, I mean, and this is an age old uh, axiom, know thyself part of wisdom is knowing yourself and knowing, you know, your capacity for good, your capacity for evil, your strengths, your weaknesses, how you can best interact with the world. And so if you had to pick just one, it would be wisdom. But, um, but again, these are so, so intermingled in a sense, right? Um, in fact, wisdom and temp temperance, which is one of the other four cardinal virtues, these are really two of the foundations of all Western philosophy, not just stoicism. So, temperance meaning moderation had nothing in excess you know we hear this all the time talk about it all the time nothing in excess everything in moderation including moderation so sometimes you need to indulge right um so these two probably wisdom slightly more important but they're all equally important it's hard to give uh important more importance to one i see and when it comes to those who live like a, a minimistic life are they following stoicism to a certain extent or those who do not want they, they want to live off the grid or they want to live like uh, you know those tiny homes like 300 square foot at home so does it mean that if they they live like a very isolated life is it a form of stoicism not particularly it, it can be so the main tenant in stoicism is that you have to you have to be a part of society it's a huge, it's really important in Stoicism to contribute to your society. And that's why justice is one of the cardinal virtues, right? Justice, I mean, justice exists to create a better society. It's not that you can't live in isolation and, and be a Stoic, but I think generally speaking for most people, we don't want to go live in a cabin by ourselves. You know, we're all social beings to some extent. And, uh, and, and part of Stoicism is living according to human nature, which is that sociability element of human experience so um how long have you been following this type of philosophy i mean were you like that did you like one day when you were in high school or early 20s did you just like something clicked i said mm. i want to live that life or how did you get into living sto uh, stoic life yeah i actually have a weird entry into stoicism i sort of fell backwards into it so i grew up quite humbly i grew up on the east coast of canada in a small fishing village and what you'll find is a lot of these humble industries, physical labor, a lot of the stoic principles are part of that work because they have to be. You know, one, one of the core tenets in stoicism is the dichotomy of control, which is which means, you know, you focus on what's within your control and then you, you try not to worry so much about the things that are outside of your control because they're outside of your control. You can't do anything about it. So just to give an example, you know, when I was growing up, 
me and my, and, and a hurricane was coming through. One of the things you have to do when the storm is coming, is you have to tie up the boat extra tight. You need to shut the doors, make sure you tie the doors back so that they don't fly open. And you have to prepare, but you can't change the fact that the storm is coming. Sure. Now, that doesn't mean you throw up your hands up and, and do nothing. You have to prepare. You have to do what you can, focus on what you can control, but understand that at the end of the day, when that storm gets here, you just got to hang tight and hope for the best. And so my entry into stoicism was sort of backwards. I, I learned a lot of the principles just through how I grew up and then fell backwards into it. When I started reading Marcus Aurelius's meditations and some of the stoic texts, I started reading it and it was, it was more like something I wrote. Not, not that I, I would have written anything, written anything so <laughs> prestigious as the stoic text, but it just seemed to me to be more my natural way of thinking. And so I, I sort of naturally fell into it. So do they, um, in, in that science or that philosophy, do they encourage to be more proactive than reactive in terms of always preparing, especially in the dichotomy of control, where you cannot control everything and the things that are out of your control, you just have to accept them. But as you said, if a storm is coming, you have to be proactive and not just let the storm come and say, oops, I didn't prepare. I didn't put the, the, the you know, anything in my house, windows, protecting the door, et cetera. So is it more to encourage proactivity? Yeah, I, I would say absolutely. And this is, this is a misconception because part of what people read into the, something like the dichotomy of control is like, well, okay, if I can't control the storm, then I'm just going to throw my hands up and do nothing. And it's like, no, 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 that's, that's not right. You have, to, you have to use wisdom, right? You have to understand that there are things that I can do now. And so this whole dichotomy of control thing, some people use it to get out of responsibility. You know, like I can't control what my boss does. So I'm just going to slack at work. It's like, well, no, but you can control how you communicate to your boss. Like, are you, are you, are you being rude and how you speak? And therefore you're creating a bad relationship between you two. At the end of the day, we do have influence, even though other people are externals, we have no control over them, over them. It's not that you don't have any influence over situations. You have to maximize your agency so the dichotomy of control is not an excuse to throw your hands up and not do anything. In fact, it should be the opposite. It's, it's a call to action to be proactive, to do what you have to do to maximize your agency, given the circumstances that you are in. So it's basically taking accountability of your own behavior to be able to change the circumstances around you. Absolutely. It's all about accountability. It's everything is your responsibility and everything is, is your fault in a sense, you know, you, you take on, it's sort of like the Christ image, you know, taking on all the sins of the world. It's, it's something like that. So not, not so much in a salvation sort of way, but in a, just as a responsibility, like as a stoic, you have a responsibility to try and make the world a better place. It's, it's not enough to just seek pleasure and parody all the time and, you know, work your nine to five and then go home. And not that you, you can do a lot of great work in a nine to five job. Don't get me wrong, but but I also see a lot of people that they go to work and they check out and, you know, they're just sort of getting by. And the stoic approach is, no, 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 you have an obligation to make the world a better place and, and to use your strengths through wisdom, through knowing yourself and, and, and to do that. I know, I, I, I'm not sure if you, you would agree or disagree. And I just, you know, most of my podcasts, I never want to enter anything about religion or anything of that sort. Um, but the religion and philosophy, especially in stoicism, I mean, is there like a synergy between both in some way or another? Or do some believe in Catholicism or Judaism, but yet would say, no, Stoicism is completely against my belief because of this or that. So is there like some kind of like, like the, the theory of general relativity and quantum physics, you know, or quantum mechanics, I'm sorry, they will not really match because they, there's something missing in between 
for it to have to be correlated properly. So how does that work in religion and philosophy? Yeah, that's interesting. There's actually some debate now about whether or not uh, Stoicism is considered a religion. And it depends how you define a religion. You know, like today we think about religion in terms of organized religion. Correct. Catholicism, right? But my, my, in my opinion, I, I've done a lot of research on ancient religions and philosophies. I would define a religion as a way of life where something is sacred. And that seems to fit every definition. And you might ask, well, what's, what's sacred in Stoicism? And I would argue that, well, the whole belief that virtue is the only good, to me, that's, it's an article of faith and then it's a way of life. And you can't prove that. I can't prove to you that if you be a good person, things are going to be better for you in 10 years. I have no way of proving that. You have to take that on faith and then live it out and see what happens. Um, and so in, to me, virtue, those four cardinal virtues we spoke to, if you choose to be a stoic, you have to accept that those are above you, that you don't get to pick and choose when to be just or when to be wise. There is discretion in how you use those virtues because life is very complicated. But you know, you, you can't just, you're not a god. You can't just decide, okay, well, today I'm not going to uh, uphold justice or I'm going to be viceful. That's not the stoic approach at all. And so to me, if we define religion as have as a way of life where something is sacred and in stoicism, the way of life is sacred virtue, being a good person and assuming that that is going to, or believing that that's going to make life better for you and everyone around you. That's a belief system. To me, it does have elements of a religion. It does. Yes. And actually I did some studies in Kabbalah and they do talk a lot about stoicism. It's incredible because the thing is that, okay, Kabbalah is basically an advanced science above and beyond the Jewish religion. It's like really, it's mysticism. Some people think it's mysticism, but it, it goes above and beyond that. So um, I, when I, I studied it, I, I was really amazed on how much of those four, four virtues they talk about and the, the correlation between the Kabbalah and Stoicism, et cetera, about how to be a good person, justice, moderation, et cetera. But, but they use different words, synonymous to those words. Right. Um, but it's interesting on how the connection between all religion. And so when you said about Stoicism can be a religion, but at the same time, it is a philosophy of life. But yet people, sometimes when you look at how they live their life, and then, they, I mean, some people very dishonest way and then on sunday they go to church thinking that they're the greatest person on earth right. so you know it, it's interesting on how people like uh, they, they 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 look at what religion is but yet after sunday night or starting monday morning they could behave the way they want well yeah and all what you sort of pointed to there is that all religions meaning organized religions the way we think about religion like catholicism there is a really deep philosophy embedded into that religion. It's There's a whole practice along with it. Go to church on Sundays, do your prayers, um, all that stuff. That There's practices around it, but, but there is an underlying philosophy underneath there. Now, when you get into organized religion, this is where it gets complicated because you have things like the church. Now, <laughs> when you have something like the church, now are they the authority on, on everything? Are they the authority? And can they change things and dictate it. And that's why Christianity, it's, it's survived so long, but it's also very divided within its own ranks. Correct. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you could even argue that Stoicism is the foundation of Christianity because it has the same four cardinal virtues and maybe, maybe a couple more, but generally speaking, the, um, the virtue ethics 
are very similar to Stoicism. And in fact, Stoicism is about 500 years older than Christianity. So there's also a historical, you know, it's not just, um, you know, if you, if you take apart Stoicism and Christianity, you find similarities. It's historically, Stoicism has had a huge impact on the development of religions like Christianity. So on the day-to-day, uh, I mean, the day-to-day life of Brendan Tumblin, how how do you, I mean, what kind of work do you do outside of, not outside of Stoicism, but how do you live your life? Here you go. That's the, the, the typical yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a project manager. So I manage ship uh, operations, tug and barge operations. And so I'm dealing a lot with weather. I'm dealing with a lot of people that I don't have direct control over. Um, and I also, I'm a strength coach on the side. I'm a, I'm a weightlifter. I'm a musician. I'm all kinds of things. And, but I would say in terms of how stoicism, I guess that's, that's the question, how stoicism yes, works its way into there. Exactly. Yeah, it works its way into everything, everything I do, to be honest, work, you know, if you take the dichotomy of control, at the end of the day, if I have a project that has to start on January 1st, and a big storm comes through, well, I can get angry and frustrated at that. Or I can say, well, I can't change the weather, I'm not going to force the boat to go into a weather where they could potentially die, because that's not wise at all. So I'm not going to throw my hands up, but I'm going to accept the fact that I can't change that. I use stoicism in work all the time. I also use stoicism in the gym. It's it's the same basic principles. You know, you have uh, you have times where things aren't going so well in the gym. You have times where things are going really well in the gym. How do you navigate those bad times? How do you stay oriented and humble in the positive times? And what you'll find is that stoicism is is it's such a it's a structure, and it can you can take that structure and apply it to anything. That's, that's been my experience. I meet so many different types of Stoics. It's, it's fascinating. And when you interact with people, do you have the tendency to be able to share with them your beliefs or your, your science? Yeah, I would say in subtle ways, you know, people are a little weirded out by, by philosophy. It's interesting because it's the, in ancient Greece, you know, this is what they did. They talked about how do we be happy? How do we live the best life? And today it's kind of, it's kind of weird, but, but you slip that stuff in there. Like, so let's go back to that storm example. The captain of the boat calls me. Hey, Brandon, listen, uh, I know we got to be here on January 1st, but there's this big storm coming and now I'm kind of angry and all the crew are upset. And while I can say, I can choose to, to respond to that with, well, we can't control the weather. We can't control the weather. So do what you can to prepare for the storm, maximize your agency, and we'll go from there when the storm ends up. Now, if I were to go into... Well, you know, Marcus Aurelius, when he was faced with a similar situation and start talking about the details of stoicism, he might get a little weirded out. But if I address it subtly in a modern way, it people people tend to respond to it so well. So is it more because your tone is calm and collected that they basically that you project this kind of behavior where on the other side, because obviously if you get angry, they're going to end up getting angry. But because you're calm and you tell them how that it's completely out of your control they adapt that kind of behavior. So is it more Absolutely. your attitude more than anything else? Absolutely. And, and people respond to that. It's almost, and there's this weird thing. You probably, I'd be interested to see what you hear in your profession, but people tend to get these habits into them where, okay, there's a storm coming. Let's get angry. Like, <laughs> let's get angry about that. Like they might not even be angry about it, but because they, it's like part of the culture to show frustration at something like bad weather is coming. All of a sudden, weather is here. Okay, well, better, better play the character. You know, let's get angry about this. And I see that all the time. And so, 
how do you change culture? Well, you embody a different type of culture as opposed to getting worked up about it. You say, okay, well, it's, it's a storm. You can't change it. Let's prepare. And that's it. Well, you know, you, you do make a good point, but at the same time, in certain situations when it comes to human nature, people get angry about, let's say, the storm, because that will stop them from doing something else. So let's say they had to go do a ball, go to a ball game, whatever it is, the storm will stop them from participating in it. That's why they will get angry. But if they had really no plans, they would just shrug their shoulder. Oh, well, storm is coming. Who cares? Yeah, that's because a great point. It's an interruption of their schedule, what they were supposed to do. And that's why they get angry or frustrated is because their plan is thrown to the garbage. Yeah. And this is where to get back to something we mentioned earlier, this premeditation of evils, mm -hmm. uh, that's where that comes into play. So I get it, man. Like if you're working five days a week and then all of a sudden you get this weekend off and normally you have to work the weekends, but you finally get a weekend off and you want to go skiing with your family and then a big storm comes through. I get it. But us and i really get that I, like i really do but a, a key stoic practice there is when you're making those plans well what if weather comes okay well if weather comes what else does my family like to do well we love playing board games so why don't we pick up some new board games mm -hmm. and you can still it's like having a plan b you know yeah. just in case things go wrong so you so you encourage always to look at life with adding alternatives to your life to be able to avoid being frustrated by the original plan yeah it's i mean we do this in work all the time like when you start a project one of the things you do it's called a risk register you sit down with your team and you meditate what could possibly go wrong and then you list everything out and then you say well if that goes wrong what are we going to do and then you list it out if that goes wrong what are we going to do and you list that out you make a plan for how to address all the things that could potentially go wrong now you might not like life is so complicated. Something might pop out of nowhere, but if you've had enough of those items, at least you, uh, you've filled in the blanks enough that you, you can appropriate a response more accurately in the moment, even though it might not be exactly what, maybe it's a copy paste, maybe it's something similar, right? You can, you can take that plan and, and apply it. So that's basically training your mind to always think about if something hits the fan, I'm not going to use the, the bad word here, then this is what I will expect to do. Even though you cannot predict every outcome, especially in the storm, we don't know if the storm is going to change direction, whatever it is, then you can say, okay, we'll do this. But if that storm changes angle, then, ah, oh, well, I was not expecting that, but yet I already prepared myself for plan B or plan C or plan D. So now I know how to react and there's not going to be any more stress level because of that reaction yeah. and that anticipation of issues rising. Yeah, and, and it's also... Like, I'm sure you've had an experience like this. I've had many experiences like this where I have a plan in place, let's say to spend time with a family member or something like that. And the plan goes to shit for whatever reason. And then we do something else. And it's like one of the most memorable times I've ever had with that person. And so part of this as well is, is this is this idea of providence and stoicism, which is everything has happened as it should have, which is a faith. It's another faith-based argument. Mm -hmm. Things are meant to be, this was meant to be. And part of that is, okay, well, I can't go skiing with my family. I can, I can be angry about that and we can ruin the weekend or we can find something else to do. You know, I mean, I, I've had wonderful experiences with people that wasn't part of the plan, but because we've accepted it and moved on, you, you grow closer together through that experience and, and in dealing with that experience and not you're like, 
are you going to become closer with your family if you throw your hands up and get angry? Like, what's the point of the ski trip to become closer with your family? Exactly. What are you going to do if the ski trip gets canceled? Well, are there other ways to get closer with your family? I hope so. <laughs> so find something else to do. That's a good point. So if any of our listeners are really curious to, to hear more about stoicism, how can they find you, Brendan? Yeah, so check me out at uh, The Strong Stoic. I'm on my podcast is everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the good ones. And um, also on Instagram, I'm pretty, pretty active on there. Twitter, find me at the strong stoic. I love meeting new people. I also have a telegram chat, which uh, I have a community on there where we talk about all, all things, philosophy and stoicism and life. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love to, I'd love to hear from people for sure. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Brendan, that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. And I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. And thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with this new philosophy of life. I will not say new, but yours. <laughs> uh, we hope that you've all enjoyed today's episode. And I'm also very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season nine of the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. Marcus Aurelius once said, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Just like the laws of attraction, thoughts become things. And what comes in between to fully reap the benefit of these laws is to put in the action and belief. Nothing in life will come easier. Just like creating thoughts in your mind, you will need to focus more on the nature of these thoughts. It is certain that living a stoic life can allow you to deal with stress, difficult challenges without appearing affected by these hurdles. But if you allow these negative thoughts to linger for too long, the end result can be detrimental to your well-being. It is hard to fathom those thoughts crosses your mind at the rate of one thought per second or around 70,000 thoughts per day, as per Dr. Deepak Chopra. However, because of the speed of thoughts, nothing important is recorded by your mind if these thoughts are invaluable in nature. All you really need to do is focus on what matters to you and how you can better your life from one day to the next. My name is Dr. Dan Emzelag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.